welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 everybody. Knock on podcast number 169. I literally saved this podcast for you. Thank you. Yeah, I knew 169 was a was an important number to you. Why? <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> you got to come up with something last minute. All right. We're actually uh, here on a very, very busy day uh, at Knock On anyway, because we loaded a massive truckload of Knock Tuits on last night, and... You guys officially sh- shut down PayPal <laughs> for a little while, um, but a bunch a bunch got sold, a bunch went out. Um, if you didn't make it, if you got the email and you're too late, uh, don't sweat it. There's more coming. We definitely have enough in the pipeline to cover people here over these next few months. So act fast. That's the most important, but... Um, it's not by lack of effort from us that we're running out. It's by awesomeness of you that we're running out. So uh, my buddy Preston was going to come hang out because I've got a really busy schedule coming up. You've got a really busy schedule coming up. And it's kind of a really cool time of year for both of us because we're both we're both pretty passionate about turkey hunting. We're both pretty passionate about um like supplementation deer supplementation this time of year um which is kind of right in your wheelhouse too so is there anything you want to talk about before i just start rambling on <laughs> no i'll i'll just go with whatever you want to talk about but i think i think you're right on the right on the money point because you know i'm i'm my favorite thing to do is turkey hunting is it really a hundred percent because you you shot a an oscillated turkey right yeah in mexico shot, no, yeah. So I've shot an oscillate. I've shot a Goulds. I've shot. Oh, I've shot all of them. You have. Yeah. What's your favorite of all of them? Uh, as far as the hunt, and uh, they're all a little bit different. I like the Goulds as far as they're just bigger and just dark. Like they're just. Big. Are they the ones with the blue heads? No, that's the oscillated. That is. Yeah, the Goulds is. You can find them in Arizona, but mostly in Mexico. So they're making a comeback in the U.S., but slowly. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's I think pretty cool. They have a couple permits in in Arizona. I know that. That's uh, awesome. Did you see they made a the first ever? Uh, they announced that they're going to be doing elk hunting in Wisconsin. Yeah, I did see that. That's Someone amazing. That's super cool. You know, I started my deer hunting in northern Wisconsin. Ever first ever deer I shot was in northern Wisconsin. Where at? Uh, by, I didn't know in that. Like Ashland County. I didn't know where. Um, so I was like eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then the guys that I hunt with, they sent me that article. <laughs> what uh we actually had a funny little little story here a minute ago about your oscillated turkey <laughs> this <laughs> this actually came to be because um Preston and i went into my local town here and while we were in town i thought man i'm kind of getting that little feeling like i might have to <laughs> take care of some business and i told uh i told you that and then i thought Nah, I can make it home. And I got about two stoplights from that thought, and I'm like, no way. So I had to make a emergency stop at a Casey's gas station, 
And, uh, of course, it's right at lunch hour where every construction person <laughs> is like... <laughs> so I was... Making the same stuff. I was doing the, the butt clinch mean walk, <laughs> like, at a fast rate to the bathroom. And I was thinking, please, God, do not be anyone in that one toilet because if there is like i'm gonna have to go to alternative means <laughs> very fast there's gonna be an executive decision made here so i was trying to scope out like garbage bags where the paper towels were and plastic gloves as i passed all the camping supplies making it to the bathroom <laughs> luckily i opened up that door the door was open to the stall and it was it was just like calling my name saying come on in but uh, as I came out, you told me a story about your hunt, your oscillated turkey hunt, yeah, which had a similar situation go down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what? <laughs> so tell us. I didn't know they were that leery too. So I'm kind of curious on yeah. that. Um, so we we went in February, which is the start of the oscillated hunting season. So you was that this year? Or no, was this previously? It was two years ago, I think. Yeah, two years ago. Uh, and then that's when I finished my world slam, but yeah, it was. We went with Yuckets, um, that's the outfitter down there. They were amazing accommodations, and then uh, I, my last turkey, which so I got two turkeys. Um, my last turkey was on the last day, and we we drove down to the the same field. They cut out like we go into the brush line. You make these like really intricate um, blinds with. In the brush line, yeah, with the foliage and say yeah, because th- for some reason they get hunted by a lot of different cats. Like, oh, really? Yeah, like jaguars and um, some <laughs> other like oh, some other smaller cats. But they do a really interesting thing. They um, they're in big groups at that point. Like they haven't the the gobblers haven't you know gone off on their own and taken hens. Um, they fly up like and they're in the middle of these milo fields or sorghum fields. Yeah, and they'll fly up like twenty feet, the whole group at the same time, and then they'll come back down. They fly up in the air to scan to see, and then, and then they, they go come back. Right back down. And they start. Oh, eating that's it. cool. I've never. I didn't Defense get out of mechanism. Yeah, it's really neat. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but they're so they're really weary and they have really good sight, like most turkeys. But they, uh, yeah, the last turkey, um, as they were coming towards us, we were supposed not to move. But I, my stomach was saying something else, and I had to rush out of the blind quickly and use my sock, and then came back in and shot my turkey. I like a one-sock shot. Like I, I've done a mini a 3D course with a one-sock. I mean, that, that's a... Uh, my dad, on the other hand, has an alternative method. He actually... I didn't know, actually, in this drawer right here, I've got one of my dad's knives. I'm going to show you this. I, I don't think he's used it for that or anything, but so my dad's is a knife right here. Is there? No, that's not it. He did send me that one, but it's my dad always has a case pocket knife and it's like an original case oh, pocket yeah. knife. So one time we were out on a golf course. <laughs> this is so non archery related. We were on a golf course and same thing. He got hit and he's like, dude, he's like, I gotta go. And he just ran into the woods. <laughs> And he came out. Nothing was said. Nothing. Then that night, we're actually uh, we were here at the house, and I said, "Do you want to get in the hot tub?" We were just kind of outside grilling and chilling. He's like, "Yeah." And I said, "I'm just going to jump into my skibbies." So when we when we threw our pants down to just jump in the hot tub in our undies, my dad had this hole cut. 
cut out in the back of his freaking <laughs> underpants. And I'm not talking like a clean cut. I'm talking like it looked like Saw two lumberjacks <laughs> freaking sawing with both arms freaking cut through his trousers and there was like this perfect hole cut out right like in the center of his ass and i'm like what in the heck dude and he goes i didn't have any toilet paper so so i just bent down and cut a cut some out with my pocket knife why don't you just take them off i don't know i would have went with a sock for sure i like the sock yeah socks a good tactic but um so i mean your duty called. You got the bird. That's yeah. all great. Um, what about the, what about the other one, the Gould? What are some of those easier to hunt because they don't get hunted so much by people? Yeah, I would say the Goulds is probably the easiest because you go south of the border. Like they don't get disturbed at all. We went with um, Jay Scott. Oh, you did. Yeah, I remember you telling me that you guys were friends, so that's who you went with. Yeah, and so he. Um, we hunted the first afternoon and got two birds, and then the next morning, my friend got uh, his second bird, and then that afternoon, I got uh, my second bird, and we were out. So that was a day and a half when we were done. Was it all gun? Yeah, all gun. Yep. But if I would go back, I would do. I would want to do the bow. I think World Slam. Yeah, it's. I. I mean, I'm missing a few for a World Slam. Um, I've shot them all here in the U.S. Yeah. With a bow, but. It'd be fun to kind of do them all in one trip, you know, if you yeah, had, like, right. you know, say you say you had, like, I'm going to try to do them all in a two-week period or something to That'd where be you, tough. Could, you could just hit the road and try to hit them all at one well, the, time. The problem is, I think, um, what, well, a lot of turkey, I mean, you know this, too, it's like you have to hit them at the right point. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just in Mexico for Rio's with my son, and we were trying to get him his first bird, but they were all hand up. Oh. And you're in a blind, and you can't run and gun, and you can't get in front of them, and it's really hard to move, and that becomes a becomes an issue, right? And then when they start leaving those hens, then you can really call them in. Well, this is a good. It's actually a good time of year for this podcast because, um, this weekend I actually go to Kansas, and it's it's a a turkey hunting world championship. I'm actually not familiar with how it works, but I know it's a lot like a coyote championship where all the teams actually go in, they draw where they're going to be and you just draw random farms and go in sight unseen. You hunt. And I think you get like certain amount of points if it's with a gun, with a gun or I think a bow, you get extra. And then I, I don't know if you get more points for it being on film, you know, depending on like certain things like that. So it's going to be like a complete blind draw for me. But here in Iowa right now, our season opens Monday and some parts of Iowa are going to be getting snow on Sunday yeah, night. That's crazy. So those birds are still going to be very hand up, you know, or they're going to be very bat. They won't even be hand up. They're going to be batched up. Whereas that's a completely different hunt than when they're hend up mm-hmm. or when it's still bachelor groups. Right. Like there's three different phases. So um, when they're still batched up, which is very common for when I normally hunted Nebraska for the opener, I always really found success in finding what their pattern was as a core group, mm-hmm. focusing on the roost more so than, you know, you really, if you can be within 
eyesight or earshot of the roost and you can somewhat build a pattern of where they fly down to and stage while the whole group gets together Mm -hmm. and then they normally move to a certain field and a lot of times the more of them there are the more likely they are to do the same thing um so you have to try to build that pattern whereas once they're henned up you know it's more like um, I found either being where the hens are going to, like if you know the field they're going to, for example, or um, late morning, like almost midday or late late afternoon, I guess, could be good. Um, and then obviously once the time's right, you know, then you can kind of just get within earshot and bring things to you. So, yeah. I mean, there's different methods to it. Are you Do you always use decoys all the time or i don't know decoy it's a love-hate relationship with decoys because sometimes they work and sometimes they don't you just don't know what bird's coming in have you ever bought good ones so i'm about to buy the the dave smith so you haven't bought dave smith's i have not i have the avian x but i'm really that that new dave smith where it has the motion on top of the what dave smith you better call me, son. What's it has this? A, it has a Jake on top of um, a hen. Like, That's it's my a favorite breeding. layout. No, but this one has movement. And oh, you yeah. can pull on so it. So we can get it on. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, that's good. So I'm about. I saw one on eBay. Well, no, I shouldn't have told anybody. <laughs> that is a. That is no it's longer not, on. It's eBay. already over. Like, like that automatic credit card app that you're telling me you had. You need that right now because that thing is gone off eBay. So there was one on eBay. Yeah, there was one on and eBay. And if you were to had got that, what were you going to do with it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm going. So it's, Illinois opens on. Put it back on eBay right. and add 50 bucks. Exactly. Preston's going to be desperate for it. Well, I was just, well, I had one chance of buying it under price or under cost. So. <laughs> that I should chan- not have put it on. That price. chance is long gone. Long gone. Um, no, but it. I think that's. Maybe the best setup is having um, a Jake decoy over a hen that's receptive, mm-hmm. just because it's not as intimidating for a two-year-old bird. I think I feel like full strut decoys. You're either you're getting a dominant bird that's coming in, but if he already has hens, he's not going to come in. And a two-year-old, you know, he's it's I get a, a flip if you're going to get him to come in or not, or he hangs up. I'm going to tell you this. You can believe me or not. And actually, this same advice was given to me by a good buddy uh, years ago. But I was, when someone asked me about decoys, I said the same thing. I've got a love-hate relationship with decoys. Either, And actually, I almost had the same relationship as I do with them when it comes to deer hunting. Because there's times where they work amazing, and then there's times where they don't. Someone told me, they're like, do you have Dave Smith? And I said, no. And they're like... If you did, you wouldn't have that discussion. Yeah. And the first Dave Smith I ever bought was um, the only one they had was the bedded hen. Mm-hmm. That was the only one a shield store had. I bought it. And I used my same crappy Jake, but I put that one out there and had success like that. Really? And then, then I ended up finding one of the jakes because this time of year they're hard to even find i mean the dave smiths a lot of times are sold out if people haven't you know stocked up big time on them so i got the jake and the hen and then i would venture to say it was like 100 percent. i've never had a bird come in and look at that and do what they did with other decoys where sometimes they'll just hang up and they'll look and they won't like 
if they can see the decoy, it's whatever they do to it, just the the it's realism the and the detail. And granted, there's a lot of companies that have sprung up that are like, because Dave Smiths were so popular, there's a lot of companies that are trying to mirror that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to just quality and also durability, I can't vouch for the other ones because once I bought my first Dave Smiths, um, I don't know, I guess it's probably been six years ago now. Uh, they've all held up. They don't, I mean, a lot of my carry lights and crap like that, they just look like garbage after a couple of years of yeah. folding and the paint gets chipped off. But there's kind of a couple of good things about the Dave Smiths. One, they work awesome. I mean, they work great. Two, like, I don't know about anyone else out there. Have you ever had the temptation to just shoot your decoy? Like when <laughs> my, you're my, son did. my son did. My son did. He's like, can I just shoot the decoy? And I was like, hold on. <laughs> See, I've had I've had goose hunts where I've been so frustrated and bored, <laughs> like laying in the mud for days and days to where on the last night I'm like, I'm just going to freaking smoke <laughs> one of these, one of these full bodies Man. just to relieve some pressure. Boom! Oh, that feels so much better. But, uh, yeah, if you have a Dave Smith out there, you know that you're not going to shoot it because they're not cheap. But But here's the thing. Yep, I'm a big – that's – you even said this. You're like, what people like about you is when you talk about something, even if it's a very, very expensive item – you like it because you like the quality of it. And that's true. I mean, that's how I am. So um, currently, I do not hunt without Dave Smith's. I And they're not, they do not pay me um, a dime. And I've talked to Dave a few times on the phone. Um, he actually reached out one time because he saw us promoting them on our show and said, like, you know, thanks so much for promoting them. And I just said, dude, my turkey hunting, it got night and day different two things my bail blinds and the dave smiths once those two things came into fat into play game over like yeah. it's you can tell like i had i had a a good brand but not dave smith and when you're in the blind you're like it doesn't look quite right it looks good but it doesn't like the it doesn't look like a turkey and they can see eight times better than us right, right. is so that right eight yeah, times something like that eight to ten or something. yeah like that. so i mean if they can see that much better and it doesn't quite look right to us right then There's, it's not right to them for sure yeah and i think um especially taking my son over a lot like it was about a week so we went to mississippi then we went to georgia did you get one in mississippi Long story, but we That's didn't. one of the hardest states, I think, to shoot well, a turkey. here's the thing. Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana are definitely the the four states for the smartest birds in the world, I think. I would say also northern Florida, the panhandle, they get hammered so hard. And oh. you go public land on that, good luck. Yeah, because that's all, like, Alabama, <laughs> Alabama residents can get to the panhandle. So anywhere a redneck can, like... <laughs> cross a line and get back before daylight then yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have a smart turkey i think it's and i'm not pressure burns, just so right? you know i'm part redneck so yeah. i'm allowed to say that i'm not so i can't i guess i can't say that. no you can't <laughs> i'm yeah I've, i don't know the name but my family has a name for me because i'm part redneck part yankee so i kind of have half breed yeah i'm <laughs> kind of mixed in the middle so yeah it's uh Anywhere where uh, a southern boy can 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 get 
to your hunting spot and back before the sun comes up, you're in trouble. <laughs> you've got some smart deer or turkeys, correct? And probably an empty bass pond. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> like you don't have a catfish, a brim, or a freaking bass in any of your ponds if it's within a two-hour drive of any local redneck. <laughs> That's so true. Hundred percent. We um, there's a couple things I want to talk about for sure. But are these awesome? I was actually drinking this. You've made the best. You've the best invention. That this I've is drank. a new invention because Preston prides himself on really good like bourbons and whiskeys and all kinds of cool things like that. Um, so I knew that we were gonna have some type of an awesome bottle today. So what I did, and I'm actually don't beat me to this, or I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out on it. Um, cause I'm telling you my little secret ahead of time, but what I did was this morning, I got up about five in the morning and I opened three cans of, uh, blood orange kill cliff and I put them in a big flat pan and I put it on the smoke setting and I smoked it, the orange kill cliff for three hours. And then I pulled it off and I pulled that smoked kill cliff into my whiskey ball molds and put a bourbon cherry inside of the smoked ice ice ball. So and when you pull the cap off and the balls are encapsulated, there's a tail of the cherry. And you literally set it in and you pour your bourbon over and you swirl it around. And it literally makes you what I'm going to patent as a killer fashion. So this is... I'm getting down to like... My kill cliff is finally yeah, melted, right. so now I've got the the smashed orange and the cherry in there, and these last couple little sips are awesome. I was at a bar over St. Patrick's Day, and they did um, what did he call it? Something something with a shift. But anyways, he had like a martini glass, but it was mezcal and some other. It was like a spicy mezcal drink, and he had like a balsamic mole what? infused like tincture that <laughs> fell to the bottom. So as you drank it. Like it was one, it had one flavor profile, and then and then at the end, it yeah, mixed started the, to change. It yeah. changed, and that's, that's kind of what this does, that is right? This You're is drinking doing. like bourbon, and it cools down. By the end, you have an old fashioned. Yep, that's what I got. So we're gonna patent this. That's so. pretty sweet. And uh, actually, that reminds me, I've got to talk about this. Um, so this is all you knock on nation listeners and watchers. I'm holding up right now official knock-on wraps for arrows, okay? You can see them at knockonarchery.com, and that's the only place you can buy them. I've got certain colors that I like, and believe it or not, as weird as it may sound, I am very picky at the type of vinyl that and ink and UV protectant that actually goes on my vinyl so that one the glue adheres two they don't have sun exposure and end up coming off and there's literally two places one place i allow to make wraps with my logo on there um, out in europe otherwise here domestically on our website's the only place to buy wraps there's been a few things happening here over the last several months where companies have actually been pirating our logo and they've been making our wraps 
in a variety of different colors and things like that. And we actually had a barrage of calls coming in from people who said that their wraps were coming off their arrows. So once we asked to fix, you know, we wanted to see them so that we could address the problem. And once we see it, we recognize that there's a wrap like this with blue on it, (laughs) which I don't (laughs) offer. Obviously, I said, where did you get that? And when I went to the person's website, I realized that he was pirating a lot of our vinyl products including stickers so two things one my lawyer freaking slapped a saturday delivery cease and assist on that um mainly not because i want to be a jerk but because i actually want to make sure i have control of the quality of my product more so than anything if their product control would have been good honestly i probably would have said you know, can we work something out? Do you want to work something out? That's a different conversation. But once I realize that people are actually having a poor experience, then obviously that's not something I want our brand attached to. So here's what I'm going to do. This goes for anything. This goes for hats, shirts, whatever. If any of you listeners out there or watchers see a shop or a website or something that's offering a knock-on product, don't be afraid to send us an email at info at knockonarchery.com and ask us if they are an authorized distributor or retailer. I can tell you right now, there's definitely dealers that we deal with. Um, There's definitely distributors that we deal with like JVD or Lancaster. Um, But there's also some that might be pirating some of our material or our shirts or anything like that. And if any of you report them and it proves that you're right, they are pirating us, I'm going to send you a free hat and probably something else just for sticking up for what we're trying to do here. Um, And like I said, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but we are definitely having to be very adamant um, about protecting our name, um, our logo and more so than anything, quality. Um, So please do that. And like I said, if you, um, listen, I don't like being a, I don't like narcs or tattletales, (laughs) but if someone's putting crappy raps out there, might as well call me and get a free hat and let me tell them no crap. I don't want no crap rap. (laughs) Should make a cat like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like on my uh, Alberta hunt this year, I did a thing where I was in a live feed and I, I ended up saying someone had dog shit calling. That's why the elk left. (laughs) So all these like memes came out with like no dog shit calling. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, no crap wraps, people. So uh, help protect our brand for sure. That's one thing. While I'm at it, another public service announcement. Carter ha- now officially has the highest number of calls from people who are letting go of their release and <laughs> shooting it into their bow. So I know that this is a combination of a couple things. One, a lot of people who have never shot a wrist strap and might have target panic or anticipation, they're pulling back and maybe you freak out because your pin's on the target and you're trying to do the things that you learn, which is great. But honestly, shot trainers, learning to use this little bitty thing on the top of the, the knock-on right release trainer 
as an aiming device and just really learning to practice and take a few dry runs. I haven't adjusted this to my drawing, yeah. but where you actually draw back and point the top of that little burn knot on something and aim at it while you're pulling through, pulling through and making your shot. That's a good way to learn. The other thing too is a lot of people are trying to use the relaxation method where I talk about relaxing the fingers. That's good for a hinge. You want a solid hand with a trigger or a tension activated like a silverback. You want to have a solid hand. Make sure your fingers are curled around that release. It's no different than dry firing a bow. Pretend like you're pulling a bow back with fingers. If you loosen up your fingers while you're at full draw, it's going to pull that thing out if you loosen up too much. Remember, you're holding 70 pounds. So don't shoot your release through your bow. It's not safe, and it's definitely not how I teach you to do it. Um, Hoyt actually called and told me that they had a few people that were absolutely livid because Hoyt wasn't going to... Um, bend over backwards to get them a new riser because they literally shot their release into the back of their riser and chipped it. You know, listen, this is, it doesn't matter what it is. It, no matter what you have, you know, warranties of any kind cover manufacturer defects, right? So you guys need to be, you know, if put it this way, if you shot an arrow into a wall and it broke it are you going to call easton be mad because your arrow broke um you have to be smart about this so make sure if you're shooting a two finger release or any doesn't matter if you're changing to a handheld for the first time make sure you wrap your fingers around that release and stay solid you'll actually find that your shot will be much more consistent when your hand is solid when people start to relax that index finger with a trigger release or especially with a tension release, if you start to relax the hand as you're it's building gone. pressure, one, you could let go of the release, but two, it's actually harder to pull through the shot because as you're building tension with the back, you're giving tension back with the hand. You want this to be solid so that you just pull through and literally pretend like you're holding onto a bowstring uh, that has the potential to fire if you relax your fingers too much. Think of it the exact same way, and you're going to be really, really happy. And again, these what I love about these right release trainers that we have is you can literally take this thing. I have one in my backpack that I travel everywhere with. You can wrap it up super small and put it in your pocket i mean it is the best thing to learn any release with and you don't have to worry about the string taking it away from you know taking it away from you just remember once you pull it back with a bow it's not only the amount of tension that you're self-applying you do have the tension of the limbs trying to take that away um so you know make sure you do that those are two things that i really really wanted to make sure people understood uh i know that i've said last podcast i was going to be bringing a podcast out um specific to cleaning the reason i haven't is because i actually haven't uh been out to my school where i have my air compressor but i'll just tell you all right now so with a knock to it this is the time of year right now where 
a lot of people are um, going to be needing to kind of clean up their gear. Um, I want to, I want to, I actually want to do like a summer maintenance uh, thing, just walking through people what I do to like do a little summer maintenance on my bow and my gear. One of the things that you want to do with your release, <clears throat> especially if you're storing your release all the time in a dirty release pouch where there's dust and crap all in there from you crawling around, or if you're always having it in your pocket, which has a lot of pocket fuzz, um, if that fuzz and lint gets in the release, because the tolerances are so tight, um, it could be restrictive. It'd be no different than all of a sudden you getting mud inside of your AR trigger or your pistol trigger. It's going to affect it. So what you want to do, it's a simple three-step process to clean out a release. Carter highly recommends that you do not try to open this release for yourself. In the past, I actually did some articles on how to maintain a release. I showed you how to open it up and actually take the springs and sears out and clean them. Um, Carter actually feels like you can avoid that, for one, by trying this way first. They think it's a very good method. And also they are glad to, if you feel like your release is overly dirty, um, and you need a maintenance, they would actually rather you send it back to them, pay for the shipping back, um, it, for them to actually open that release up for you and maintain it. If by chance you need new parts, they'll let you know and they'll charge you for the parts. But if it's cleaning, they can do it. But they actually feel like that's better than you opening it up and losing parts and then having to call them. And uh, main thing is because as you open this case, um, the pins are going to be on one side of the casing because it's press fit shut. And then when you open it up, you actually have to remove those pins and put them to the other side of the casing for you to then press it back shut. A lot of people end up marring the pins, trying to get them out with the wrong tool. So in other words, let Carter do it. Otherwise, here's an easy three-step process to clean your release. And it goes like this. Air, lube, air and you need to have a very high pressure um, air compressor or air hose uh, simple keyboard dust remover stuff that, that's not going to do it you need to get a high pressure fitting um, off a pressure hose um, and what you're going to do is you're actually going to you're going to shoot air into uh pretty much the places on the release where you can see a little bit of a gap which on a release should be right in the front of the jaw and also in the back of the cocking mechanism so you force air in one side the other side then you take a small amount of lubricant um they think triple seven is what he said. Actually, I wrote the three down that they recommend on my phone, which is live feeding right now, so I can't say it. Um, but you could always uh, email Carter and they'll tell you. But um, put just a little bit of lube on the back of the cocking casing where it goes into the case, and then on the front of that trigger. And then the third step is to repeat that air step of air through the back, air through the front, pretty much to blow out any last debris, but more importantly, to blow out excess lubricant and force the lubricant throughout the inner internal parts of the release. And that's done. Now, if you have a silver back, 
the best thing is same thing um a drop of the um either a drop of like that triple oil right on the front of the sear when the front when the jaws open in the front to put a little drop down in there maybe a little drop on um the small little you can see like um, a small little sear that's kind of on the opposite side of the jaw there's a little gap there you can put it there um, and if you put a, one drop there they recommend about every three months it's just really good maintenance for um, making sure that that release stays consistent and doesn't have um, you know I guess any type of corrosion on there certain elements like for example um, I'm going to be hunting again in Hawaii. Hawaii is very hard on gear. Alberta, very hard on gear. Certain types of like dust where it's very fine, a lot of like desert style hunting where the yeah. dust is like like powdery, right. almost like graphite. It really gets into equipment and it's super hard on equipment. So if you do a hunt like that, um, you know, or especially if you come to the end of a hunting season and you know you have time where maybe you could do without your release, you know, you could send that back to Carter, put them a little note in there, um, you know, just letting them know that you just want a, a full cleaning, that you had a pretty hard season, and, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, you have to include your address and contact information, because obviously if something needs to be replaced, they're going to call you to get payment, and they need to know where to send it back to. Uh, but, yeah, that's all I got for PSAs. But Hoyt told me that I needed to tell everyone that. They're like, they, they Ding, no. yeah, they literally said, Dudley, there's so many people trying to shoot with this, they're knocked to it with this relaxation method and they're oh. letting go of their release into the back of a carbon riser, which that's not a, that's not a, yeah. the, the carbon riser loses to aluminum in that ballpark. I haven't shot with the too smooth, but the silverback you cannot get relaxed on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. See, with the silverback, you have to maintain good hand pressure, yeah, and you have to continually build pressure. So people aren't really shooting the silverback through because they're they know you have to, you know, in their mind they're thinking build pressure, build pressure, versus like with a hinge they're thinking relax. Remember, you ca you have to hold on to that thing. You can't let it go to the point where it's slipping away. Um, and obviously if your hands are getting like super sweaty and stuff, you know, you have to wipe to, them off. Yeah. You have to take a <laughs> towel with you to do that. You know, um, the other thing too, is once you start to get to the tips of your fingers, like where your fingers bend on the end, you have to be between that first and second bend and wrapped around that release. You don't want to go past the second to where you're almost like doing it like a brass knuckle. You don't want that. But if you get to the first joint of your knuckle, of the end of your fingertip, you're highly likely that that thing is going to slip off, especially if your hand is sweaty. So don't do that. Um, again, they're cheap. It's like 30 bucks. They're great. And they're, I mean, this was helpful for you too when yeah, you very 100%. first learned. We might as well talk about that. So Preston... Um, when did we first was it a year ago almost maybe yeah probably a little with the silverback yeah i think it was like october or november or something like that so you learned what did you shoot before that wrist strap 
No, true ball hand with a thumb release. Okay, but it had a lot of travel in it, didn't it? Yeah, correct. Okay, yeah. So you have to, like, I'll if I go back, I got my first bow in 08, didn't shoot it until 2010, and got set up <laughs> at a terrible place. Okay. Um, and then had, um, and then found a decent bow shop, and they helped me out. So I was I was able to shoot out to 60 yards, I don't know, like, somewhat consistently, but wasn't... Which is still awesome, I mean, yeah, and definitely. Yeah, but it wasn't... It wasn't, um, it didn't feel like after we talked and using the silverback and having that consistent, you know, three consistent uh, anchor points. You need the nose, you have it in the side of the mouth, yep. and you have that right yep. here, right? And then your eyesight. And the eyesight, four. right? Four, so yeah. four. Um, Unless you don't have an eye, then it's three. Yeah, that'd be tricky. <laughs> or, if no- or if your nose is cut off. <laughs> right. I think the eye would be more difficult. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've I, seen it. There's blind shooters. Really? But then how do you know where you're, what you're shooting at? Someone's, someone's kind of telling, telling you. Yeah, someone's kind of right telling you. Yeah. Yep. But, yep. and you shot, um, did we start on a string? I can't remember. No. Went we right did. for the bow? Went right for the bow. <laughs> right in the backyard, yeah. Oh, that's right. We were here. Uh-huh. Okay. That's what I did with Andy. Yeah. Yeah, you, you set it up right here, and then we went outside and shot. Um First we're okay, and then you went and checked on the like, the grill, and then I, <laughs> and then I couldn't find my hair. <laughs> yeah, I literally turn around. I'm like, "Wait, what'd you do? You're looking around in the grass." You're like, <laughs> "Which is common. That's normally why I use the string first. Yeah. But if I'm there and I'm really watching, I'm totally fine with uh, them using the bow for the unless you've never shot. You had yeah. shot, and you had shot a handheld, so I knew you're somewhat comfortable. But uh, well, you're still getting used to that, you know, pulling back in a different manner and mm-hmm. making sure you have the right position. Even like, you know, with the hand and you know the hand up, kind of like on your jawbone and your elbow up, kind of up, but then pulling back. You learn the but you like if you the have importance that, of elbow position. Oh, too. when you have that elbow sideways or down can, or down, you can't get that. You can't get that <laughs> thing to work. Yeah. I've had I've had people that call and they want to send they send their uh, silver back in to be serviced, and I'm like, have you tried putting a little oil on it? They're like, this thing no matter, it will not fire. I'm like, okay. And they're like, we have it backed all the way out. It will not fire. So Carter ends up calling me, and Forrest will say. Yeah, dude, I can shoot that with my bow all day long. <laughs> and I'm like, what is it? And he's like, I don't know. His elbow's down. His shoulder's creeping. He's relaxing his hand. Like, he's not building pressure. Yeah. So, but honestly, as frustrating as that is in a way, that's the most important teaching element of the silverback is teaching you when you truly have good back tension and you're pulling through and you're pulling on the wall of the bow or when you're not and if you're not you're not going to be consistent anyway like even if you have a wrist strap release that you're totally comfortable with if you're inconsistent on your wall a compound bow is going to be inconsistent i mean that's just all there is to it so learning that variable and honestly i think the most important variable all of all is learning that if your focus is on the pull the pull the pull the pull it seems like 
you start to eventually let go to where you're not worrying about the aim as much mm-hmm. because I you're, agree with that. And when that and that doesn't happen overnight. That's something that happens with time. But when that happens, you make a change as a shooter and you become a different shooter. You become better when you feel really confident. Yeah. You know, like I I felt um, you know, once I figured out exactly where I need to be with my elbow and how I'm pulling back and knowing when I get tired and stopping. Yeah. It makes a world of difference. Yeah. Uh and, and you become really consistent, unlike when I was doing it before. You know, you have a couple good shots, you have a couple off shots. Um, but I went into that Oklahoma season, and I was like, I was super confident. You you made a dynamite shot on a cool buck. Yeah. Preston and I hunted together. We were only together for a few days. I got there a lot earlier than you. Um, but you ended up, it was pretty cool. You, um, we can kind of segue in. What I... The reason I'm really um, passionate about Oklahoma here in recent years is for a couple of reasons. One, um, one of our good buddies, uh, Eric Gudgel, is down there. Uh, one of your close friends, and uh, you know, I don't know if you've known EJ longer than me, but a mutual friend of ours, EJ, who's been on the podcast, um, they're in Oklahoma. So, you know, sometimes it's fun to be able to have a place where you can meet friends in a, in a neutral location. Mm-hmm. Um, we found a, a spot that was good because they had hogs, they had deer and turkeys. me and yeah, turkeys, <laughs> me and Eric hunted there. Um, Eric hunted there first and then he invited me to come and it was always kind of during my moose time. So I never went. And then finally one year I decided to go and realize, you know, Moose camp is awesome, and I'll definitely still do it, but what stunk then was we were kind of, like, locked into the, these are your four days or five days, mm-hmm. and it's that's what gets really hard as a bow hunter when you're booking hunts is that is, you know, you're on this calendar. Yeah. There's no flexibility. Um, so we ended up leasing a place down there where all of us could could literally be able to come and go as we wanted, and we were able to actually start having better control of the supplementation, which I've learned here in Iowa, even though I don't have massive, like when you look at this, I guess the pro hunters or the TV people or the celebrities of hunting that live in Iowa, you know, you think of the Lukoskis, you think of Bill Winky, you think of the Kiskis, you think of the juries, right? They probably have their smallest farm is probably as big as what I can hunt, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I'm still on a very small, I think I'm on a small farm compared to people that are like on that type of level. But what I've noticed is, even if you're on a small property, if you supplement, you do notice a difference and you reap the rewards. You're gonna have deer that might have only scored a 150 if they're being fed right throughout the year they might be a 170 buck you know it's or, crazy or they start to get a lot of trash and stuff like that and i know because there's years where i've done it and then there's years where i'm like you know what i've shot good bucks i'm not going to do this anymore mm-hmm. like i don't want to i'm not going to have the expense it takes time to go out and do it and then all of a sudden i didn't do it and holy cow i noticed a difference so I'm really adamant, 
mainly because I made the mistake of not doing it. I'm trying to tell people if you're passionate, like if you're, if your lifeblood is getting the most out of your deer, then you have to, as soon as those deer shed antlers, you have to start helping them. You got to help the, you got to help the does have all the nutrition to give to the fawns right. and you got to have help the bucks try to build back up everything they lost prior to that so we were able to do that um through garland animal wellness products and all of us had the probably it's funny i there was eight of us total that are all together on this place and all eight of us hunted less than a week and shot good deer and not to mention it's like we did not have a lot of deer die through the non through the late season too that's that's the big thing that i mean because at my place people always ask if i'm excited to shed hunt i actually am never that excited to shed hunt my place because it's also like sheds to me, coincide with deadheads, yeah, sheds awesome. and deadheads. So, um, I, I just don't seem to have as many dead. You know, you just don't fa- find as many random dead deer mm-hmm. when they're being t- taken care of. But here in Iowa, once season starts, you're not allowed to have any type of food or existence of food, remnant existence down. So, you know, I have to take certain precautions by that. One, I use like um, bulk spout feeders to where, you know, I'm able to go in there and actually remove the soil with my bucket Mm -hmm. and then put fresh soil back down. Um, But down in Oklahoma, you are allowed to do it. So we're actually able to see the benefits year round from it. And it was... It was staggering. And actually, I get a lot of people ask me. Um, I've got a lot of neighbors that have been asking me lately, you know, I want to talk to you about what you're feeding and what you're doing. And honestly, I literally tell EJ what my budget is. And EJ knows what I can spend. And he looks at, he knows how big my properties are or where I can hunt. Um, I think it was two years ago. I pretty much just said, you know, I've got this main farm here and I've got another one over here. And he kind of like looked at him and then he just said, okay, you pretty much need to have three feeders. Like this one needs two, this one needs one. And, you know, he kind of got an approximation of the deer in the area and just said, this is probably what you're going to go through. And then kind of decided how much of that is going to be like a pellet, how much is going to be a mineral. And then now, um, and you had the liquid before, but now you've got a... Can you talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about it. Um, so now you've got a block coming, which is actually way easier to ship, for one. And for two, it's easier for people to put out. So, um, And it has all the benefit of the feed. So, I, you know, kind of to your point, you know, in Iowa, you know, they don't let you feed during season. But that's okay because deer kind of reduce... Especially bucks. Yeah. They don't really eat much. Yeah. They've already eaten what they have. They've stored all the fat they can, and then they're chasing they're chasing does. Right? Yeah. They're trying to breed. 
when they really need it is come January, February, when they come, you know, they come off that breeding season right. to restore their body when they drop their antlers and start regrowing. Um, and typically, you know, people want to see immediate results, but it takes, it's going to take you two years to start seeing, you know, like consistent feeding. And it's not just the feed, but it's blocks and all of them, the mineral, um, to really see some of those big spikes. I mean, we have a we have a farm in Georgia that's about a thousand acres or two thousand acres. Um, this is their third season. Last year, you mean a customer? Customer. Yeah. They um, they shot a hundred and seventy five inch buck with drop tines <laughs> in South Georgia on the Florida border, like a hundred percent fair chase. Hundred percent fair chase. Yep. And so they've doubled up their orders this year. It's and 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 I think what we were talking about before. It's all about. Um, you know, the reason we started the company is intention. Like our intention was to create a better product than, than there was. It's not, it wasn't about to make, you know, make big dollars. It was to, we didn't see the quality that we really thought should be out there in the marketplace. Yep. And I think that's what, you know, that's the reason we really hooked up and we, we started getting along is, is your methodology is let's find the best product or let's build the best product yeah and that's not sacrifice quality yeah and i and and that's kind of what we're doing that is what we're doing and we're doing it on the mineral we're doing it on uh we got a liquid that you can put on corn if you can do that you know during the hunting season um this block will be a, uh the ability for people that don't want to feed the you know or don't don't have the need to feed large amounts of feed yeah or supplemental feed and and the thing is um supplemental feed is supplemental feed they're still going to eat you're going to still graze they don't eat one thing right and one thing that uh, uh, multiple things that our feed does is there's there's products in there that help them absorb nutrients and other things they eat yeah there is a natural insect repellent that we're calling repel tech yeah that's which is amazing which has scientific research showing 40% tick reduction. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, mosquitoes are biting insects. You know, the midge is biting insect. There's no scientific yeah. research, but if yeah. you can correlate. The midge meaning EHD right. is a midge. So that's an insect that bites. So, Which I told you, when I was feeding, I had the lowest number. Well, actually, in the last two years, there's been EHD outbreaks again, very close to me, to the point where the DNR actually said, John, are you finding any deer on any of the farms that you hunt? And I have not, you know, so I don't, like you said, there's no scientific research, but the thing is, if if they don't, if a mosquito doesn't, that's obviously pretty good data if uh if there's less ticks which we actually had areas we had areas in oklahoma where we were feeding repel tech and then there were other areas of the ranch where there was not and the ticks on those deer versus the ones that were crazy that were frequent to like where we fed protein was i mean almost like you wouldn't even want to touch the deer there was like so many it was like oh my gosh i mean i've never seen nothing like that um so I mean another thing too is like you said with with bucks if they're battling mosquitoes and flies biting on them all summer long that's taking away it's stress it's stress 
I mean, it's taking away everything. I know for me, if I'm at home and I'm eating clean and I'm able to eat on a pattern, eat the right foods, I maximize my growth. I mean, for any time where I'm home for a stretch and I'm eating the right things and not eating things that I don't <laughs> need, I'm I'm better. Like I'm I'm I one I've got less stress, two I feel stronger and I feel like I can grow muscle faster. If I'm not supplementing in the right way, I just don't. I mean, that's just the reality. You have to feel like if biting insects, you have, you remove, you'd say, let's say 40% of that irritation, yeah. stress. Um, and it's all about body health. Like if you increase the body health, that's when the antlers grow because they don't, the body then puts all that, you know, all the, all the energy to growth in the antlers. Yeah. When the body's completely healthy and satisfied. Yeah. If it's needing things, that's when the antlers... Um, come last. Right. Yeah. They, come la- they always yeah. come last. Yeah. It's actually... Um, for those watching, you're going to shut off here in about a minute. So we're going to see you guys later. <laughs> we're going to keep going on this podcast. But um, it's the same with me. Like, if I'm not sleeping, then I'm actually not growing like if i'm working out hard but not sleeping i don't grow and i feel chronically sore Mm -hmm. i feel down i feel tired um and a perfect example like from a biting insect point of view the chiggers down in oklahoma (laughs) like if you get into a little chigger (laughs) nest in in july um your sleep throughout the night is like zero because if you want to know what a freak party is a freak party is about five chiggers around your ankles so in 110 bad. degree sheets at three in the morning. Like when your legs get hot at night, those things just start biting everything in sight. What, are the, what do they go under your skin? I don't. I don't really whatever know. Whatever it's, it, it's just whatever so a chigger bad. does, I hate. I don't it. like it. Like yeah, if if there's ever if there's ever um, an opportunity to to like officially hate something it would be a chigger <laughs> those things like have no either, purpose are, yeah, not yeah. at least ticks you can see them like that's true they, they at least give me an option i can at least see a tick but a chigger's like yeah i'm gonna be invisible and piss you off <laughs> <laughs> um well what else do you want to talk about i know supplement wise um the Garland products have been awesome. We've had EJ on a few times. Right. If you're interested in this, and I've had several of my buddies in Texas that have ranches. Like I said, several of the local people here who've bought properties around me. Um, you know, I've just told them flat out, you know, give EJ a call. You can go to the website and uh, look at the website and then go to contact us, obviously. Yeah. We'll- Additionally, there's um, you can buy the, the concentrated mineral, which doesn't have any other additives in it. You know, it's purely concentrated, so they only need a little bit of that to, you know, to get their daily dose. Of Pretty much if, if they touch their tongue to oh, it. Oh, yeah it's, yeah. it's that concentrated. <laughs> uh, and you can buy the liquid, and we're about to put the block on. We are working with a, um, a potential distribution partner to get all of the products, including the feed, nationwide. Um, but we'll we'll kind of let you know when that happens. Should be should be soon. Oh yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? I want to let people know um, because I have mentioned it. So arrows, I actually approved arrow shafts um, for those of you watching. 
that's them. You can't see them, but I'm I'm here to tell you, are these awesome? They're pretty sweet. <laughs> the, I'm excited about this because I actually had full control on exactly everything I wanted from graphics, tolerances, components, accessories, even the directions in the packaging has all been put on me and I decided to actually uh, originally I was going to do one arrow and I've actually made an executive decision to now do two so there's going to be a full full metal jacket uh, version and then there's going to be an all carbon version as well um, and the components that come standard with the knock-on shafts are going to be pretty awesome because they're exactly what you would normally have to go out and find an addition to buy and build and I'll talk about the benefits of all that but um, the arrow is going to be a pretty awesome opportunity for people to have a great arrow and this podcast is actually on April 12th um, it looks like I should for sure be able to have uh, arrows by June so it's only six weeks away, people. So don't uh, if you're running low, just make do. There's some really cool stuff coming. I think you're gonna like it a lot. Um, there's a lot of little. There's actually a lot of little cool things that I've been working on that are finally uh, making it to the production stage. And all that I think is is helpful. Silverbacks will be coming next um, very soon, and then Noctuits will be fo- following behind. Uh, the entire first two batches of two smooths sold out right away. If you're a two smooth shooter, man, there's been so much good feedback about this. Mm-hmm. People, people were really worried about shooting a hinge for the first time, and the amount of people that I'm seeing that are posting, you know, tried a hinge, was was hesitant about it, but watched the video and said, "I can't believe how good I'm shooting with it." Um, make sure you go to the YouTube channel, knockonarchery.com. On the YouTube channel, I've got videos on exactly how to set up the two smooth hinge release and exactly how to shoot it. Also, have a really good video on how to use the release aid trainer, which is important for any of you who um, might have future plans to accidentally shoot their release through their bow. Um, you don't want to. You don't want to do that. It's not a slingshot. <laughs> I, I don't don't think you have a slingshot in your hand. It's a bow. So hold on to the release. Activate the trigger through from pulling and uh, let your arrow go forward, not the release with the arrow. Um, what was that? Oh, uh, it's Joe Rogan. <laughs> hey, one thing I would say about the Full Metal Jackets. Yep. Buy them. Oh. Because... Now, I'm not like your versions are even better on the tolerance, but I started shooting them last year, and the pastor was crazy. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean it just—it's so nice. They're like a lead sled. Seriously, yeah, they're like a lead sled going through. Um, so thanks everybody. I'm gonna log off on this podcast so that we can get it out there for the airwaves. So all you grinding here on this thursday afternoon can have something to listen to on your ride home or if you're late to the freak party you at least have something to listen to on your friday at work so 
Thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, make sure you check out Garland Animal Wellness as well. I've got a cool website, a lot of really good videos. And obviously, um, if you want some consultation, you can click on the contact us uh, just like I did. And you'll get to EJ, the man, the myth, the legend, and he'll tell you how to maximize your growth on your property. Um, I'm officially dry. My Yeti is oh, empty. There's the, there's mm. the cherry. That could be the like. <laughs> that's like, have you ever, when you were a kid, did you ever have crumbles at the bottom of a cereal bag? Oh, yeah. Like where it was nothing but just pure. I thought you were going to kitty cocktail route, but. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the same. That's like the very end of a of a kitty cocktail. But I was thinking, like, I would never eat them now. But back in the day, I would plow fruity pebbles like oh. like they were going out of style you know what that make you feel like <laughs> nowadays i don't know i think i would just crushed. die you i may die. just actually die but uh yeah well that, youtube that you yeah. eating fruity pebbles. <laughs> there's people on youtube that all they do is like drink like weird amounts of like old cokes or have you ever seen that like i've seen some guy that he's like uh he's southern and i yeah like he he drinks milk he does a bunch of different things and he throws up a lot yeah that guy i've seen him yeah we need to uh just have him eat like copious amounts of the last third of a bowl of cereal that's left in the bottom of a bag of all colored cereal and see what happens like see if he's dead in like three months (laughs) All right, everyone. We're getting stupid. Um, we got to go. We got to do go do some stuff, and I got to get back with Joe Rogan here. So, see you, everybody. You're awesome. Appreciate you. Knock on everybody. Preston, what's your Instagram? P H O L D R two. P holder two. P holder two. That's <laughs> it's from my college days. That's what they gave me. <laughs> oh, I like. I never noticed. P holder two. Before we end this, you got to tell us about your kid. (laughs) This innocent, obviously anyone who has kids knows that your kid is completely innocent. And he's actually had two really funny things. Uh, One was your magazine that you had, that (laughs) video that you showed me. You'll have to post that. Uh, Well, I post it. I'll repost it. Repost it so that you can see it. But go to (laughs) P-Holder, just just P, not like P-E-E, but P-Holder 2. Um, and then uh, and it's like H O L D R, not not no E. Yep. Well, anyways, <laughs> and then uh, so that was the first thing he had a he had this. Was it a book? It was a. It was like um, so. I follow Steve Nolan, and I think it was like one of the first magazines called Cured. Oh, but cured. I don't think there was a second. Um, I don't think there was a second whatever magazine. It was just the first one. So I got it in the mail, and then my son came up and just did this random thing. <laughs> Well, his son knows that Preston's really into cooking, which actually Preston's cooking for me and Sharon tonight. And uh, anyway, the front of the magazine cover is like, it's a cross between like a really good cured Spanish hog leg and the lamp that's in Christmas Story. (laughs) That's exactly what it looks like. It's got a high heel. (laughs) It's got a high heel on it. Like, that's the thing. And literally, go ahead and can you play the audio? Like, his son sees this magazine, and he's, like, trying to totally innocently ask his dad if his dad's going to be, like, 
Are you cooking this? <laughs> cooking some some nice meat meat meal. <laughs> Are you cooking a nice meat meal tonight? <laughs> and it's literally as he's looking at this magazine that uh, literally looks exactly like I just told you. Uh, you're, you're buffering. I'm you're buffering. buffering. He'll he'll do a repost. Yeah. Anyways, but we were talking about. Um, so we just went on this you know week trip well it was kind of broken up we went a couple days to mississippi a couple days to florida we met my uh, the rest of the family uh for spring break and then boone and i went to mexico we get to mexico and and there's a six-year-old friend that um was on the ranch uh, that he got to know but they didn't speak the same language he spoke spanish and <laughs> boone spoke english so they had the but the one thing they had in common was this this game this app this app it's called uh slither <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's kind of like centipede. So it it's a snakes. And you go around and you eat other snakes, and you um, and you're eating food, and you're getting bigger, and you, you eventually die, most likely. <laughs> but the, the what they were talking about is, oh, you have a big snake, you have a little snake, you have a one-eyed snake, <laughs> and just listening to talk, I just dying laughing in the block. <laughs> yeah, like if I could record this and then play it back for them when they're 18 they'd be like what is going on <laughs> yeah not even tell them what's it about just like is that me talking about <laughs> what am i talking about all right everybody well we're going to end on that story uh you guys are awesome appreciate it and we'll talk again soon knock on everybody oh yeah there it is <laughs> we'll end we'll- oh, are you gonna make delicious meat meals <laughs> And make delicious meat meals. Yes. Yes, I am. Knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.